Turn me to the book of Esther, chapter 2. If you have the Bible app, feel free to open it up. If you haven't already, go to uh, Facebook. Be sure to check in. Let all your friends and all the robbers know where you're at at this moment. Amen. Because apparently that's what they do. You know, they're always checking your Facebook, just dying to know what you're doing. Amen. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. We're, we'll give you some a little bit of backstory, uh, but before I do that, just a reminder some of the things that you saw on the screen today. Uh, we do have our, uh, again, our Young Adults Connect group meeting at Beautiful Salon. You guys wave your hand in the air like you just don't care. Angel and Nori Cruz, best salon in Bell County, best hairdresser in Bell County, or Belton, right? Belton, but still, that's pretty awesome. Just saying, it's a fact. Amen. Esther chapter 2. Verse 1 through 18, say amen when you're there. So as we're there, as you're looking at the, the book of Esther, uh, what you need to understand, what happened in chapter 1 is, is uh, we're bypassing, not because it's not important, but because we want to kind of start getting in the meat and potatoes of our series here. And uh, the title of this series is Invisible. Has anyone ever felt invisible before? I mean, you can be in a crowded room and still feel like the only person. If you're brave enough, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. My hand's up because I felt like that before. Sure. And so, um, so we're going to talk about that, how God uses obscurity, how he uses our flaws, and, and how he uses our mistakes. And everybody that's not perfect says, amen. And all the perfect people, you can come to the altar later because you're lying. But for those that are checking Cowboys scores, don't worry. Cowboys play later tonight, so we have plenty of time to fast and pray for them. But in the, in, in, in the, in the book of Esther, uh, in chapter 1, what is happening in here is Esther, uh, her parents have passed away. Uh, she has been adopted, if you will, by her uncle. And uh, she is living with her uncle at this time. And we, we don't know if she has any brothers or sisters. It doesn't really tell us that. We don't know the names of her parents. The author has left that out. In fact, the author has left a lot of things out. And we'll get to that in a few moments. But, but in Esther chapter 1, Esther's not mentioned. It talks about a king, a pagan king. King. Everyone said a, a pagan king. And so if you don't know what that word means, pagan, it means that he worshiped other gods than the God that we're worshiping today. Okay. He worshiped all kinds of gods and he was from the Persian empire and, and one of its many empires, one of its many cities, if you will, within its great empire that stretched from India all the way into Europe. And, and it was just a big empire. And he was one of the Kings, uh, during this time and reigned in this part of the, uh, land that they were at in Israel was just a small part of their mighty kingdom. And so she's lost her parents. Uh, she's been adopted by her uncle and, uh, she's living in a place that is ruled by a pagan King and she's Jewish and all these things are important. All these dots connect. So in chapter one, what happens is this King has thrown this, this great party that's lasted for months. I mean, talk about, about a party off the charts. I mean, this is a party that's lasted a long time. There's wine and there's women and there's all kinds of just uh, uh, debauchery going on. It's in your Bible. It's in the Word. And if you ever crack your Bible, you might be interested to find some of the kind of cool stories that are in your Bible. Amen? And so in chapter 1, this is what's happening. The king brings out his most beautiful concubine, his most beautiful bride. Why a man would want more than one wife, I have no idea. But not, I mean, my wife's perfect. I'm just saying for other guys that are married. But Anyway, this was something they did. It was just very common. And so most kings had multiple wives, and this guy had like a bunch of them, whatever. So he brings his most beautiful one, and he tells her to dance for all of his princes that are there, those that help him rule in his part of the territory. And she's like, ain't doing it. <sighs> whatever. And 
snaps her fingers, whatever she's got to do. And the Bible says that she didn't do it. And this made the king pretty mad because she embarrassed him in front of his friends. There's nothing worse to a man than being emasculated in front of his boys by a woman. And all these men up in here, you have too much pride. And you're not going to amen me, but that's okay. I know the truth. And so she got in the driver's seat. She's like, ain't doing it. Ain't dancing for you. Not anymore. And so out of here, she's out of the kingdom. And now we're in chapter two. So let's pick up in chapter two, verse one. Later, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, he remembered Vashti, his wife, and what she had done, one of his wives, and and what she had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, Let's, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. And let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful girls into the harem at the citadel of Susa. And let them be placed under the care of Hegei, Hegei uh, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. And let beauty treatments be given to them. Now, women, we're about to read something. Now, I know... A lot of you wake up early to make sure that you're on church. If you come to our first service at 1030 or you come to our second service at 11, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> some of you will get that on the way home. You're like, oh, I get it. I get what he's saying. And so, you know, you guys, we can, you know, I roll out of bed looking like this. I'm just saying, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but. Typically, and, and here, this, please don't, all these women, don't guess this is not sexist. It just is what it is. I mean, you, you put on more than we put on. And so um, sometimes it takes longer. You know, the guys in the car, like, you know, it's 1030, second service starts at 11. Like, we got to get rolling here. And, um, and so they said, let's, let's, let's find this girl who pleases the king, and we're going to put her through these, these beauty treatments, right? And um, let's jump down to verse 8. And so when the king's order and his edict had been proclaimed, many girls, everybody say many girls, were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. And Esther also was taken to the king's palace. So he was one of them and entrusted and charged a charge of the harem. And the girl pleased him and won his favor. Not, and we're not talking about the king yet. We're just talking about this guy that was given charge over her. And it says, immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food, and he assigned to her seven maids to give her whatever she wanted and, and, and be kind to her. And so Esther, this is important, verse 10, Esther had not revealed her, her nationality, that she was Jewish, and family background, because Mordecai, her uncle, said, don't do it. So every day he would check on her. Before a, king, before a girl's turn, in verse 12, uh, before her turn came to go before the king, uh, she had to complete 12 months. Everybody say 12 months. Mm, 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. Six months with oil and myrrh, six uh, with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. And anything she wanted was given, this is talking about Esther, was given to her in the palace. In verse 15, when, when Esther's turn came, uh, Mordecai, who had adopted her, uh, he told her, go to the king. As she asked for nothing other than what the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Did you catch that? And Esther won the favor, not just of the king, but what? Everyone that saw her. That's pretty. And she was taken to the king in the royal residence in the 10th month. She, I don't know if she survived 12 months or just 10 months, but this is when she went in the seventh year of his reign. 
Verse 17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any other women. And the last lady that did it, name was Fashti in chapter 1, and that didn't end well for her. But anyway, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet in her, uh, a great banquet for all his nobles and his officials and proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. There's a lot happening there. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. A lot has happened today. We've honored you. We've honored our veterans. We've sang. We've worshiped. We've given. We've done everything that's been biblical. And we believe in order. And I pray that just in the next few moments that all this would be done in order as well. We ask this in the name of your only son, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen. Has anybody in here ever forgotten anything before? Never happened. No, not you. Certainly not you. You ever gone on a trip? Like, actually, you've had to fly somewhere and you've forgotten something? You ever go to the airport and you're going through, like, security and you're like, uh-oh, I don't have my ID with me? It happened to my brother recently, by the way. Uh, is he out working security or something? That's how maybe the, maybe the speakers are on out in the lobby. He can hear me. Um, there's, there's a funny, uh, funny story. I was thinking about a guy, is a couple, this man and his wife. They leave their kids at home and they go to buy this new car. And... Uh, He's just stricken by this car. It's this car of his dreams. And, and they, get, they, they purchase the car. And he gets in the car, and he's driving home. And on the way home, he keeps thinking, man, I've forgotten something. I've forgotten something. I've forgotten something. But he just keeps driving because he's in awe of this car, like the feel of the steering wheel. He can feel the road. He can feel the tires like the car's on rails. I mean, he's just he's in love with this car, and he's so in tune. The two have become one. And he gets home, and their youngest daughter comes running out. She says, Daddy, where's Mommy? Forgetting something. You ever forgotten something? Is anyone, I mean, you don't raise your hands, but you just inside. Have you ever forgotten a kid somewhere, like in a store or a funeral home? Or uh, <laughs> John and I, when we were kids, the church that my dad used to pastor before he moved to Belton, we were in Caldwell. Nobody knows where that's at because it's an obscure, t- you have to go through it to know where Caldwell is. And so we lived there in Caldwell. Our house was right across the street from the church. And so we just literally would just walk across the street. And uh, to church, my dad locked us inside the building. This is before crash bars and fire codes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, everything was deadbolted. And we have no way out. And John and I are locked in the church. Like, well, this is here. Let me tell you something. The creepiest place you've ever been in is a church at night when you're by yourself. God's not here. Amen. <laughs> it's just you and all the noises, man. And the staff knows you walk in this building and the wind's blowing hard. And everything here is like, eh. Anyway, forgetting something. Kind of moving, turning pages, thinking a little differently today. Has anyone ever felt like God has forgotten you? Ever felt that way before? I have. Anyone brave enough to raise their hand? Man, it feels like God has forgotten about me sometimes. Sure. And not just about you or who you are or where you are, but it sometimes would feel like as if God has forgotten about the dreams that you have. Or almost as if he forgets about the dreams that he's given you. Not that you dreamed yourself, not that you came up with yourself, but as, as if he's put a dream in your heart and then he's forgotten to fulfill it. Has anyone ever felt that way before? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Awesome. High five yourself, your neighbor, if you have to. I, I'm just saying, like, we've all felt that way before. We've all felt like God has forgotten about us as if he has moved on from us and is tending to other people. It's as if he has denied us. It's as if he has delayed 
our dream. It's as if he has denied, he has delayed our dream. I think about Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. Before they were Abraham and Sarah, God had this weird thing of always changing people's names before or once he found them. And so Abram, Abraham was Abram, and Sarah was Sariah. So Abram and Sariah, God came to them. He says, I'm going to call you Abraham. You're going to be a father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, for I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. So you can tell everybody that grew up in church right then. Just, you, you, you sing that in kids' church. So Father Abraham, God said that he's going to have, you're going to be the father uh, to many people, to many nations. Abraham's like, all right, I don't have any kids, so how's that going to work? <laughs> and God says, I'm going to give you a child. So Abraham's like, cool. So Abraham and Sarah start trying to have kids. Sarai, he, t- he make, calls her Sarah. So they started having to try to have kids. No kids can be, they're not having kids. Holly and I can relate to this. We've experienced miscarriages between our, our first child, Roxy, who was on stage a while ago, rocking it out, and, and our son, who's in kids' church, playing the drums last week. Um, but between that, there was, a, there was a span of five years where we were trying to have a child. We're like, God, we know what you promised us. What's the deal with the delay? What's the deal with the denial? Who's with me today? Who am I preaching to today? Delayed and denied. Where, God, where are you? You gave me. The, you're the one that spoke this to me. It's not, this wasn't me. This was you. Where are you? And so Abraham and Sarah. So Sarah looks at Abraham as only a wife could do and says, hey, I want you to take one of our servants. I'm going to sleep with her. What? All right, honey, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You know what I'm saying? Like, but seriously, some of you are like, what? I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. Read it for yourself. So that's what they do. And she has a son. And his name was, for all that know, Ishmael. So Ishmael is born, and God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That is not what I told you to do. But that is so us. We are so impatient. God, you said you're going to do it. Oh, you haven't done it. You told me Sunday. It's now Monday. It's like 24 hours later. Forget it. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to march in on my boss's office. I'm going to tell him, you better give me a raise because God's favor is on me. Don't do that. Please don't do that. But that is so us. You don't have to shout me down. You have to say, man, you can remain quiet, but I know it's you too. If God doesn't do it instantly or immediately because we're a microwave society, drive-through Christians, we want to pull up in the parking lot, walk up in here, feel like we worship God, we tithe, we did, we volunteered, and God better do what I want him to do when I want him to do it. Or, or I'm driving right through. We actually have drive throughs here. That's <laughs> funny. We have carports. You know, just, I can just stand out there and bless you as you come by. Bless, 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 bless. Amen. We may have to do that one day. Amen. <laughs> you have to give, though, first. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, just in the name of Jesus, you know. So, so here's Abraham and Sarah, and they say, we're going to take matters in our own hands because, well, actually, Sarah said this, but Abraham went along because he's a good man. He's a good husband, right? He's smart. And so, my mom didn't raise a fool, but Abraham and Sarah went out of God's plan, and they had a child, and his name, again, was Ishmael. And Ishmael was born to their, their, their one of their servants, one of their slaves, actually. And so... 
Ishmael is born. God's like, that's not what I told you to do. If I promised you something, I promised you something. And I don't lie. I can't lie. So if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But if you do it in your power, you never see me. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They got impatient like we get impatient and say, all right, God hasn't done it, so I'm going to do it. They became impatient. But you know what's cool about God is? God still honors his word. He still honors his promises. Even when we mess things up, somebody should shout amen and give God a crazy praise in this place. That God has blessed you in spite of yourself. I said a crazy praise because he's blessed you in spite of yourself. Amen. And he's blessed us in spite of ourselves, in spite of when we mess things up and when we jack things up, God says, I'm still going to honor my word. In spite of how you tried to wreck it, in spite of how you tried to mess things up, I'm still going to bless you. And so God gives Abraham and Sarah a child. And what was his name? Isaac, I don't know for sure. Should I say it out loud? I don't know if that's right. Yes, God gives them Isaac. And what's crazy is after God gives him Isaac, some years later, God says, now once you take this son, I want you to go kill him. It's in your word. Read it. What? What, God? You give me a dream. You finally make the dream a reality. Now you want me to give the dream back to you? And then God says, I want to see if I'm still more important than the blessing that I gave you. Oh, that was real good. Thank you, my wife, Holly. That was good. God says, I love you, but if, you're, if the blessing is more important to you than me, then we need to sacrifice that thing. It's time that we lay that on the altar because what's happened is you've cared more, you've loved more, and you've seen the provision more in the blessing than you stopped seeing in me. And Abraham said, the Bible says that he, God tested Abraham. God tested him. I don't know about you, but... I'm wrapping up my master's. I'm receiving an honorary doctorate next month. And i got to be honest with you. I'm done with tests at the age of 39. I shouldn't be 40 soon. I like pecan pie, by the way. Give cards to, like, Cabela's, those kind of things. Anyway, i got to move on. And here's Esther. Esther is an interesting book, church. Esther is an interesting book. Give you some history, first of all. God is never mentioned once in the book of Esther. Not one time is God ever mentioned. In any way, in any way, and never is he even referenced to. There's just, there's no mention of God ever in the book of Esther. Not only that, but no one ever prays in the book of Esther. Not one time. Does anybody ever pray to God? He's never mentioned and no one ever prays. But yet here is this book thrown right in the middle of the Bible. And I'm saying to you as I'm reading this, I'm looking over, I'm studying for this series. I look over this again and say, wait, this is too important to ignore. That clearly God had this in our Bible for a reason. What is the context here? You're never mentioned. No one ever prays. You're never even talked about. And yet, here it is right in the middle of the Bible. And the correlation today, church, is that there are moments in our life where God is never mentioned. There are moments where we never pray. But yet God still puts his fingerprint all over us. Give God a praise in the place. Amen. So God's never mentioned. She, she hides her Jewish identity. She, she, no one ever prays. Uh, uh, presumably, she has sex with a pagan king outside of marriage. I mean, we can, we can draw that conclusion. If you read the scripture, 
and what would happen. So I'm looking at this and I'm reading this story. I'm like, God, and for those of us that know enough of the Bible, what we always do in the book of Esther, we go to the next couple of chapters where Mordecai tells her, you've been put here for such a time as this. And we'll get to that point in a few weeks. But that's what we go to. But when we look at that part of the story, we bypass all of this stuff that is not of God. I mean, God has never been about sex outside of marriage. He just hasn't. He's never been about that. He's never been about not mentioning him. She never mentioned that she was Jewish. Her uncle told her not to say anything. No one ever praised. God's never mentioned. But yet here is this story. And as I look at it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is me. There have been moments where I've denied him. There have been moments where I've ignored him. There's been moments where I've never prayed and I've just lived my life the way I felt like I should live it. Yet God's fingerprints remain on me no matter how I live, no matter what I do. His fingerprints are all over my heart, my soul, my mind. And they are all over you as well. If you contrast the book of Esther with the book of Daniel... It's safe to say that Esther is a hot mess compared to Daniel. I, I, I know that's not very biblical and that messes with your theology, but I just said it. I believe Esther is a hot mess compared to the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we have this guy who is he snatched from his family. He literally was picked from his family by King Nebuchadnezzar because he was, he was smart. He was handsome, the Bible says. And him and a bunch of young boys were snatched. They were brought into a pagan empire, raised up as kids so that when they became adults... They didn't know really God. They worshiped idols. And, and so here's Daniel, and, and he's living in this place, but yet there's a part of him that's crying out to God. And, and we know the story. We know the story of the fire and all of that. When, when, but, but Daniel never once denies God. Daniel is praying. Daniel is seeking God. And then when you contrast that with, with Esther, in my heart, I'm saying I want to be like Daniel. But oftentimes my flesh is like Esther. Can you relate? Anybody relate to that? So here's Esther. She's, she doesn't make this courageous decision to follow God, right? She, 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 she lives in obscurity. She, she doesn't make any rational choice. She's not like Daniel. She's just not. And I think if we're honest with each other, if you're honest with yourselves and transparent, you would say, man, I'm more like Esther sometimes than I am like Daniel. And that's okay. I want to talk to you real quick about providence as we wrap things up. Providence, it's the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. Providence is a protective care of God, his nature, or as a spiritual power. Let's leave that up there for a moment, please. Providence, God's providence, it's his protective care, his protective care. As a father, as a husband, as a pastor, one of the things that I'm equipped to do by God, not that I'm great at it all the time, but one of the things I'm equipped to do is to provide protective care, a spiritual covering for you as your pastor provide a spiritual covering. I pray over you. Um, it's found in First Timothy. Read it yourself. I, I provide a spiritual care, a spiritual protection over you. I also provide a physical protection over you. I'm, when I am up here, I am, and day to day, I, I am charged with protecting the flock of this church physically. That's why we have people in place. That's why we have men looking over our property while we're in, here worshiping. We know our kids are safe. Amen? So, so there's this, this, this idea of protective care is not something that you and I invented. It's from God. It's in us to give back out. But this idea that God is constantly protecting us, and I think the real clue church today is, everyone look at me, please, is this. It's not so much that God has to protect us from the enemy. It's more that he has to protect us from ourselves. 
Amen? That's the truth. We give the devil way too much credit. He is not that smart. And I think if we're honest, I would find more often than not that it's been me that's done the wrong, not the devil. It was my decision. This, this whole clue, the devil made me do it. Who do you think that's from? The devil. He didn't make you do anything. So we're choosing these paths. We're constantly choosing. We're making these choices. And I believe providence is this, that God says, even when you go astray, I'm still going to watch over you. Are you with me today, church? Yeah, give God a praise today in this place. I want to close with this. I want to close. This is my second closing. Um, you can laugh. It's okay. And all serious, though, you ever felt disappointed in life before? Anyone? Raise your hand. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on. Keep it up. 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 Like I see your fingerprints. Yeah. Disappointed. I felt disappointed. You can put them down. Thank you. I've been disappointed. You've been disappointed. We've all been disappointed before. We felt like there's been de- de- we've been denied and that there's been delays, whether it's like Abraham and Sarah or even like Esther. I mean, here Esther is. Her parents die. She has to be raised by her uncle. We don't even know if she has any cousins at all. We just know it's her and her uncle. Is there an aunt in the picture? Nobody knows. We, we don't know if she knows of God or how she found out about him. I mean, we just know that here's Esther. She's chosen to be, because she's pretty and beautiful, she's put in the king's palace. And, and we'll get there in a minute in the next few weeks. Yeah, for such a time as this. But in this moment now, if I'm Esther, I'm like, God, my parents are dead. And here my heritage is, my lineage is that you divided the Red Sea so my ancestors could walk across it. And here I am, and my parents are gone, and I'm living with my uncle, and now I'm in the the palace of a pagan king that doesn't even know who you are. Have you forgotten about me? What am I even doing here? God, why have you even put me here today? How is it that I have gotten where I am today? And I would say it's because of providence, because God is always looking out for you. But that still doesn't mean that sometimes we're not disappointed. I believe that each and every one of us there's something on the inside that God is trying to draw out today. Every one of us. Maybe you've been feeling it today as I've been sharing God's word. And the enemy knows that if what's in you ever gets out, it will wreck him. All the good that God has placed in you, he's been trying to draw it out of you. That's why you felt like he's been pushing you sometimes. That's why you feel like he's put you in obscure places, put you in a job where you don't even, you feel out of place. Like no one even knows who you are around you. It's like a let off this morning. You could be in a crowded room and still feel invisible. And yet here is God with his providence and his protective care over you, watching over you. For the people in here, the person here today, you felt disappointed. Can I tell you, that's our common denominator today. At some point, if not right now, we've all been disappointed. Everybody say disappointed. We've all felt that way. We've all felt like we've been denied or, 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 or we've doubted. I, I think about Joseph and his dream, right? Joseph and his dream in the book of Genesis. God, God tells us that Joseph had this dream. He had three older brothers. Joseph has this dream where God says, you're going to be greater than your brothers and you're going to rule over them. If you have siblings that are older than you, please don't go tell them that. Because that's what Joseph did. And there's a message in of itself. There are always dream killers around you. Like a, like a bird. Shoot your dream right out of the sky. Anybody That ever happened to anybody? Oh, I'm going to start my whole business. Well, I wouldn't do that because you're not very good with money. Dream kill. 10,000 points. 
I'm going to go back to school. You know, my kids are kind of growing up. I'm going to go back to school. Dream kill. Don't do that. You can't do that. You guys are going to get way too much debt. Dream killers always, always around you. We'll save that for another day. But here's Joseph. God gives him this dream and says, you're going to rule over your brothers. And Joseph says, all right, I'm going to get my three brothers together. They're older than me. They're big and they're strong. Hey, guys, God says I'm going to rule over you. What? The Bible says that his brothers, that made them mad. Two of them wanted to kill him. What? Yeah, two of his brothers. My brother's out there. Hoping he's never wanted to kill me before, but we've tried to kill each other. But, but here's Joseph. And the Bible says that two of them tried to kill him. Thank God one of them had enough sense like, hey, hey, let's not kill him. But there's a pit over there, a big hole. Let's throw him in that. And so they tricked Joseph with a meal. Food always brings a guy to the table. And so they threw him in this pit. So the Bible says, and then some, some other evil people came along. They pulled him out of the pit and they made him a slave. And he served in prison. And he was in prison and he sat on the sidelines the majority of his 30s, 40s, if you will. So probably sometime where he's around 50 to 60 years old, finally, his dream becomes a reality. And God puts him in a place where he can fulfill God's word. I'm telling you, church, there's often been times where you felt disappointed. You felt denied. Like God has given you a dream. You're like, God, what about the dream you gave me? What about the things you promised me? Stand with me all across this place. We're going to sing and we're going to worship God today. Before we go any further, we'll have a time of prayer. But just carve out a few moments with me.